Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard helping you automate your HR and reporting process. That's right. We know all you HR and people leaders out there that are tired of pulling messy, crappy, time-consuming, painful spreadsheets from all these different HR systems and trying to figure out how you're going to tell a data-driven story of your workforce. And you're always asking yourself, there has to be a better way. Well, there is. Check out Employee Cycle, where your very own HR analytics dashboard with pre-built connectors to the most popular HR systems, so we can give you an out-of-the-box, real-time dashboard in under 15 minutes. That's right, under 15 minutes. You could be viewing, sharing, and analyzing all your most important workforce data all from one source of truth. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out, get a demo. We would love to partner with you on your HR data journey. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Kelsey Lepp. She's the Senior HR Manager at Aventus, Aventus Federal. And today we're discussing how HR can provide value to the business. Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. Woo, Kelsey! <laughs> I'm super pumped to be here. I have first podcast, so exciting times. First podcast. So excited. As I told you in the pre-show, it makes my heart smile every time I get to be the first podcast pushing you into the podcast sphere. Really exciting. But Kelsey, we're going to kick this show off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, this wild ride started like 13 years ago, coming up here soon, and I, I can't even believe it's been that long. But I started as an office manager uh, at a government contractor with no concept of the corporate sphere. And I was just like, I need to get my foot in the door and figure out what I want to do. Uh, and I worked for a really great company. Um, I mean, I've worked for many great companies. I'm very fortunate but, um, you know, they really prioritized employee learning and development and the employee experience. And so I was like, man, I love this company. You know what I can do? I can hire people to work here. And so I just sort of like shoved my way into the recruiting department and started in recruitment. Um, it was kind of interesting because I'm a little bit more introverted than I seem, I, I than I, you know, a present as, I guess. So I was the worst recruiter. I would be calling people for like cold calls and like secretly hoping they wouldn't answer because I didn't want to have to, you know, like go through my spiel with them. <laughs> um, so, you know, I quickly transitioned into uh, HR after doing that for a year or so. And I just love it. The opportunity to really just make a positive impact in employees' lives. So I've, I've been here ever since. That is an awesome origin story. Really appreciate you sharing that. So Kelsey, Today, we're talking about how HR can provide value to the business. I think this is such an interesting topic because when we tell people we sell software to HR leaders, a lot of the times they'll say, well, do HR people have a budget? Do HR people really know what to do with data? Is this a cost center? Why are you doing this? And we love HR leaders, obviously. I mean, 
this is the space we're in. We're looking to empower people like you with data to make better workforce decisions. And we have a very sweet spot in our heart for HR leaders. But I'm curious to know, what. how do you feel is the perception of your role? Or when you tell people you work in HR, how do you feel that they perceive you personally? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think that the, the common perception of HR is that they're the last person you want to talk to in a company, whether you're an employee or a manager. And I think that in general, people that, that don't work within the field of HR, they have this kind of stereotype in their mind that, you know, HR is, is not your friend, which by the way, like which business unit is an employee's friend, um, but they're out to get you and protect the company. And so there's just like a lot of negative um, stigma around the field of HR, I think. And so, you know, for me personally, that's one of my like never ending quests is to always like help shift that narrative. Why do you think HR has that negative perception? I mean, I think at the end of the day, the, the field of HR and, you know, it's been around longer than I've, I've been alive. But I think that the field of HR kind of started as like a very bureaucratic type uh, function. And really, it's, it's there to help process paperwork and administer policies, I think, in, in its beginning, its origin story, I guess you could say. And so I think people, there's still some, you know, residual um, stereotypes from how the field sort of started um, many years ago. And I think also, too, at the end of the day, a lot of times HR is the one that has to have the difficult conversations with people um, and help empower managers to have those conversations and leaders in companies. And at the end of the day, sometimes people aren't going to like the message that they're hearing. And so I think sometimes HR, um, you know, gets caught up in that a little bit. Got it. The reason why I intentionally wanted to have this title be how can HR provide value is because clearly we know that HR provides value. Otherwise, every company on the planet with more than five or 10 employees wouldn't be paying for an HR person or an HR team. So I'm curious, is it more about how can HR provide more value or is it how can HR provide more perceived value to the rest of the business? That's a good question. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to add value, you better be sure the leaders in the company perceive it as being value add because <laughs> you're not going to get very far. I think a lot of times, though, that HR, we know the value of what we're doing. And maybe sometimes others, it's, it's not always apparent to them. So I think that the perception of the value add is important. It is critical, especially, you know, for your C-suite in the organization and leadership team to really um, have buy-in into HR initiatives. Um, but if if we did everything we did just because of the perception of, of if it's value add, I don't think that we would accomplish as many things. So I think it's a little bit of both. What are some of the top things, top two or three things that you think HR does that no one even knows about, that's extremely valuable and mission critical to the business, but no one outside of HR would even know that you do this job? Yeah, sure. So I think um, one thing that comes to mind is really being culture carriers behind the scenes in how we navigate issues in a business, um, whether that's personnel issues, um, the biggest nightmare for anyone in HR. I mean, all of us in general, the past couple of years, but COVID, that was a big surprise that just got dumped on HR's lap. 
And, you know, behind the scenes, we really had to figure out, okay, while, while we're all going through this like crisis and navigating a pandemic, what messaging are we giving to our employees? How are we supporting our managers through this? How are we, you know, providing the most resources, uh, as many resources as we can to help people navigate this traumatic event that we're going through? So a lot of times behind the scenes, HR people are the ones that are really not necessarily defining the culture for the company, because I think that comes from the top down with leadership, but helping to work behind the scenes to make sure that the the benefits we roll out, the way we handle incidents, the policies, the procedures, all of that really is an alliance and shows that culture that that leadership drives from the top down and, and demonstrates the values of the organization. Interesting. I want to know if you agree with this statement. On another podcast, there was an HR leader that said they compare their job to a parent's job. They don't necessarily call the employees their kids, but they think about it in the sense of, as we're all kids, we probably don't appreciate what our parents are doing for us, whether it's eating our vegetables to come in at a certain time at night all the way up to make sure you do your homework or whatever it is as you're growing up. And then when you grow up as an adult, you think, man, I wouldn't be the person who I am without you. Do you feel like it's that same way with employees? Although I'm assuming employees don't ever get to that point where they're grown up. But do you think that there's the same feeling and relationship between HR and employees where employees don't really know how much work HR is doing for them until and maybe it's until something happens or something happens with their family or their needs or their benefits. And then maybe that's the growing up inflection point where like, oh, I didn't realize you did so much. Do you feel like that exists today, mostly in HR or you don't really resonate with that? No, I I completely agree with that statement um, in in two ways. One, sometimes in HR, we are literally the parents having to like help our children navigate these situations. And, you know, sometimes you're, I I would imagine when you're talking to a kid and explaining to them something that you would think is pretty obvious, but sometimes you got to help them connect the dots in a loving and, and empathetic and supportive way. So we have to do that in our roles. And then also, too, I think that it's not until like we've gotten through some sort of situation, whether it's navigating the pandemic or dealing with rising healthcare costs. And, you know, how do we how do we stretch what we do for employees so that they can receive the best benefits possible? I think it's once we're through those things, sometimes people look back and they realize, wow, um, you know, that, that was a, there really was a lot of value add from HR in that situation, but maybe it didn't seem like it up front. Um, so yeah, I agree in a few different ways with that statement. <laughs> so I love that culture carriers example of something that you believe HR does that most people either don't know or don't see the value in it. Are there any other things that come to your mind now around things that HR do or some of the work that you may do where it's so behind the scenes that only HR people know and everyone in HR might not even know, but it still gets done. Oh, I mean, yeah, there, there, there are endless things I can list off here. Um, so I won't get too tactical with that and some of the more boring ones. Um, but I would say that, um, and this might sound surprising and, you know, keep in mind all, all organizations are different and all people functions are different, but my biggest thing I would think that people don't realize behind the scenes is that we really care about my team, myself, like we care about 
doing the most we can to support our employees. And so, you know, even, even when somebody's being let go, that is one of the most traumatic things a human goes through in their life. It's like, I think on like the top five things, like close to losing a parent, I think, is if you're fired from a job. And, you know, that person that's going through it, they, you know, they, they know the role of HR in that uh, conversation, but they don't know what we're doing behind the scenes to get them as much transition as possible, to give them a soft landing, to try and help make sure that they've got, you know, some extra benefit coverage. Um, you know, we take a very employee centric approach to um, supporting our people uh, in the company I'm at. And so I think a lot of times, you know, people just have this perception that HR is just always, you know, out to get them, I think. And, and it's really the opposite. Um, we're really always striving to, to do, to go above and beyond, whether that's for our employees, for our managers. And I, I think sometimes people just don't, they don't know that behind the scenes. One of the things that we've been thinking about internally in regards to connecting the value of HR to the business and overall business impact is that when we talk to a lot of HR leaders about employee cycle and using metrics and dashboards, we'll ask questions like, what metrics are you being held to? And for a lot of the HR leaders we talk to, we don't necessarily see this clear path or a specific set of metrics that the leadership team has put on HR to deliver against. Yeah, And I know that's not all businesses, but it seems like for a lot, there's not really that level of hardcore metrics-driven accountability, but everyone from the business can see what it looks like from a metrics data-driven accountability standpoint, from a sales, a marketing, maybe even a product or a financial perspective. If we don't sell, then clearly the sales team isn't doing well. If we don't have enough leads, then the marketing team isn't doing well. Do you find that because there might be a lack of connection of what's going well, that can be tied back to the work of HR. Maybe that's why a lot of people might not see the value. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I think it's important to, you know, define metrics for success and, and what that looks like in, in your HR function, wherever you are and in the organization you're in and make sure that leadership is really bought into the metrics that you establish. Um, so I think that's very, like, it's essential, basically, if you want to be successful as an HR function. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of, um, there's, there's objective things that we can accomplish. There's initiatives we can roll out. There's, you know, things that we can comply with. Um, but, but then there's very subjective things like, uh, how we respond to a crisis. Uh, what is the customer's service and support that our employees are receiving in that employee experience? And you can measure those in other ways, whether that's through, um, you know, targeted surveys, um, you know, experience interviews, exit interviews, uh, you know, looking at the retention um, data, uh, the engagement scores. But, you know, the, it, it's also a partnership with HR and the management community and, and the company. It's You can't put pin everything down to just HR specifically when you're looking at some of those more gray areas. Got it. And, you know, I like to use examples with metaphors or parallels similar to how we were talking about the kid, parent, HR, employee relationship. And so I remember another HR guest that was on the podcast talking about how HR feels like a therapist where you're helping everyone, 
but you're not putting your mask on first. And they were saying how it's difficult to really promote what HR is doing when HR is usually the department promoting everyone else. And so that made me think, does HR need an internal marketing campaign (laughs) to tell everyone what you're doing? Because if you're the team that's saying, oh, the marketing team did a great job and making sure that they're recognized and they're getting gifts and rewards for all the things, then who does that for HR? Is HR supposed to do it? Are you supposed to do it for yourself? Or is that supposed to come from somebody else? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of times when you look at how how is the success of other departments communicated um, in your organization, sometimes you have champions for those particular um, groups. You know, for example, the management community, maybe there's a particular person that is speaking up about, you know, accomplishments and successes. Um, and sometimes it is the departments themselves. Um I think that we should definitely be sharing all of the awesome things that that we've been doing, regardless whether you're in HR or some other um, you know business unit. Uh, and I think that there are not just you know kind of tooting your own horn and and communicating with the employee population and with the management team about what has been collectively accomplished, but there's also industry awards to go after. Um, and you know don't don't be afraid to apply and test yourself and. And then celebrate that because that's something that attracts employees when they see, oh, wow, I'm on a I work for a company that's the best places to work or, you know, uh, we've received uh, whether it's the ATD award or a Brandon Hall group award. But um, I definitely think that it's it's great to have a champion. But if you don't have that advocate or champion, you need to do it yourself and make sure people know the value that you're adding. For all the HR leaders that are listening to this episode that are struggling with showing the value, whether it's perceived or actual, as well as the perceived or actual ROI of their department and just their function as a whole, what advice would you give them? That's a great question. Um, my first piece of advice would be to make make your client's mission your mission. So, you know, internally, um, I view the management team as my client. I view our employees as clients. I view other business units as a client. And so when you're partnering with somebody, if you really want to add value, you need to have the same objectives that they do. So make make your client's mission your mission and align everything you do to support that. And then my next piece of advice would be to figure out how to get to yes. I think that the biggest challenge that or perception that, that people have working with HR is that they're the team that says no. And so a lot of times, you know, there's policy and procedure and, you know, all those wonderful things that, yes, we have to be mindful of, but be creative in finding solutions to get to a yes for the person who is asking so that, number one, you're seen as a partner that is collaborative and working with them. Um, and number two, you're, you're, you're adding value and you're getting to the, the outcome that they want. And so, of course, yes, there's sometimes that we've got to say no. Um, but I think sometimes HR says no without um, necessarily listening to why it's so critical that we do whatever it is that this person's asking about. So as many as much as you can, always try to get to a yes. That's awesome. Last question, Hera Kelsey. If there was a way that HR could be perceived in a better light over the next five years, how would you like HR to be perceived? Oh man, this is like a, this is a really great question. Um, I 
think that I, I think that I would like us to be perceived a little bit different depending on who the, the target audience is. <laughs> Um, I think that the business leaders and managers, while definitely sometimes um, we're, we're not their favorite team to come to, I do think that there's a strong recognition for the, the value that HR can add. But I would say that from the employee perspective, um, I would really want the employee community to see HR as an advocate for them um, and to... Uh, see them as a department that they can go to for support, um, that they can be transparent with about, you know, their, their challenges, their aspirations. And sometimes, yeah, sure. There's something that we can do to help support. Maybe sometimes there isn't something that we can do, but I would love for there to be just more, I think, trust in the relationship from the employee end. And so I think that would be really great if in the next few years, we really um, shift the the view to uh, HR as your advocate in organizations. Kelsey, this was such an amazing podcast interview, and you just really crushed it with this being your first time. I mean, it seemed like <laughs> you're a professional. So you made me look you made me look really smart. You know, that's hard to do. So I appreciate you. But Kelsey, thank you so much for such an awesome, candid and authentic conversation. Really appreciate you, all the work you're doing and all the wisdom that you dropped here on our podcast for your fellow HR leader. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Woo! Go Kelsey! Thanks for having me. This was great. You're, you're really great at this. So um, it made my, it made my job easy. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that. So Kelsey, where can people find you and Avantis online? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so avantisfederal.com uh, and then LinkedIn. Awesome. We'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone out there who enjoyed this episode as much as Kelsey and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating. Also, if this is your very first time listening to one of our episodes and you came here because either you're already a huge super fan of Kelsey and you just had to hear what she was going to say or you thought this topic was pretty compelling and you just had to hear it, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.